Good morning, people of grace. Happy Lord's Day during this time where we have to be apart and practice social distancing. Uh, but I do want to try to bring a word from the Lord to you and help us stay connected as community and worship the Lord together, even if we have to do it physically separately during this pandemic time. Um, our scripture passage this morning is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. And by way of review, uh, Rodrigo preached last week, and he wrapped up the section in Ephesians about walking. I mentioned that in our Thursday Pastoral Connect, really uh, touching on the last three challenges in the walking section of Ephesians, where Paul challenges us to... Um, not walk in the futility of a darkened mind, uh, but to walk in love and to walk as children of the light and to walk wisely, seizing the day. Rodrigo touched on those last three last week, and I'm picking up with that last one today, walking wisely, seizing the day. And if you get the church emails, you will see that a handout and attachment about walking in Ephesians that has been shown earlier in our sermon series and is available again for you now. Um, but that's wrapping up the walking time so that we move into standing and ultimately standing not against flesh and blood. Uh, our enemies in this can never really be each other. It's not even in the end uh, the COVID-19 virus uh, it's what that virus can do to our spirits, uh, to break us, to divide us, uh, to keep us from representing Christ well. And that's the transition Paul's making as he moves into standing and winning the battle for our spirit, which is Ephesians 6, a very familiar passage that winds down Paul's letter where he says we do not struggle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So that's what we're transitioning into, and that really starts with keeping your spirit filled. And I'm going to read this passage from Ephesians, starting in verse 15. It says, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. That's starting in Ephesians verses 5, verse 15. Now, picking up the reading, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Really, be filling your spirit. I will come back to that later. Be filling your spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything, even the situation today, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the scripture reading, Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 21. I want to take just a couple minutes to 
uh, help you walk through that as we're walking in Ephesians and really understand some principles from God's word about how to keep our spirit filled, even in an evil day. Um, we are, as a first main point, and you will get this outline in the email as well, we are to walk wisely, seizing the day, seizing the opportunity. The idea here about walking wisely and making the best use of time isn't focused primarily on what we think of as time. You know, the, the, I have 24 hours a day, the chronometer is running, tick, 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 tick. That's not Paul's primary focus on this. In fact, that can become a slavery of its own. His uh, sense here is really more, look around you, understand what season you are in, and do your best to redeem that, to be wise, to create space for God to use you as an ambassador of Christ, because every age is evil when it comes to trying to do those things, to try to bring Christ into your context, to try to step up and represent him well. Uh, this world is never going to give that to you, but especially in a day that everyone would call evil, something like a pandemic, we have to make sure that we seize the day and step up and represent Christ well that's walking wisely, um, though we, none of us, have ever faced a pandemic like this before. Uh, pandemics themselves are nothing new. Uh, there are, is a famous quote, now famous, from Martin Luther making its way around the internet um, about how he responded to the plague in his day and his balance of heeding what the doctor said, uh, practicing social distancing, quarantining himself, and still uh, determining that he would not let fear stop him from helping those in need um, or obeying Christ. He wanted to hold himself accountable to not fear death, for if God was calling him home, God would surely find him no matter uh, what he did. And that was a good balance. Uh, but something I've been reading, I've been trying to read about different pandemics in history and leadership related to that. And I came across uh, something uh, just this week as I read through that. And here's the, the story, and I'm going to read it, so I have another piece to read for you. And it says this, it began in the East. At least, that's what the experts think. Maybe it came from animals. Maybe it was the Chinese. Maybe it was a curse from the gods. One thing is certain, it radiated out east, west, north, and south, crossing borders, then oceans, as it overwhelmed the world. The only thing that spread faster than the contagion was the fear and the rumors. People panicked, doctors were baffled, government officials dawdled and failed. Travel was delayed or rerouted or aborted altogether. Festivals, gatherings, sporting events, all canceled. The economy plunged, bodies piled up. The institutions of government that people in that world had so much confidence in proved very fragile indeed.
That was the Antonine Plague of 165 AD. And Marcus Aurelius was the governor, the emperor of Rome at that time, and he was faced with that challenge. This Antonine Plague, we estimate, historians estimate, had a mortality rate of 2 to 3%. It began with flu-like symptoms until it escalated and became painfully fatal. Estimates are between are that between 10 to 18 million people died in Marcus Aurelius's Roman Empire of that day. There's a lot about how Marcus Aurelius responded to it that's actually quite noble and was his best effort to seize the day and to step up and uh, really do what was right. But that story, Luther's story, uh, show us that this is not actually new. And we have come into an era where we've kind of become cocky about our comforts, about uh, our modern conveniences, and we are finding, like the ancients did, that our institutions are far more fragile than uh, maybe we thought. And that brings us back to this passage because it's touching on timeless truths that Christians should be practicing with great focus all the time, but most of the time we don't until we get challenged by something that we deem to be uh, very evil. And it brings us to the end of our fragile resources. And that's what Paul challenges us with. And he says, as you face an evil day, you want to walk wisely, seizing that opportunity. But to really seize that, there's a couple things that you can't do and something you need to do. Number one, he says, and it's right here in uh, verse 17, as you face an evil day, it says, therefore, do not be foolish. Do not be foolish. Foolish is someone who gets taken out of their rational faculties. Uh, foolish is the hoarding of toilet paper that uh, has so many memes going around on social media nowadays. Uh, foolish is panicking. Um, foolish is not just those more obvious examples, but here in context, foolish is not seizing the day. Foolish is not um, being what God is calling his people to be as the world recognizes how fragile their life is, this system is, and uh, Christians should be the first to process that fragility well and give a reason, as Peter says, for hope and the hope that we have. Um, so we can't be foolish. Um, Rather, we must understand what the Lord's will is. And this idea of understanding is you need to pull this together. You need to take a step back. You need to breathe. You need to come back to the foundations of your faith. You need to uh, be contemplative and really understand God's heart in this, his will, his desires. His desire, his will drives his counsel. And 
our counsel is not going to be good. And this is from Ephesians 1, where Paul says that God works all things out according to the counsel of his will, his desires. And Paul is coming back to that will and that desire now and really admonishing us that if we don't get those desires in the right place, if, if we don't pull this together and get aligned with God's heart, then our counsel is not going to be good either. Um, we're not going to be wise. Uh, so we need to make sure we don't put the counsel before the heart contemplation. We, we need to make sure that we get our heart into a good place, that our spirit is filled before we run off making plans. Um, or our plans are probably not going to be effective. And that's bringing it all together. That's synthesizing it in a way that's consistent with God's desires. And then Paul moves into this category that uh, where he says, and don't get drunk. And that was the way that the people of that world self-medicated. And Paul's challenging us not to just self-medicate, whatever that means for you, whether it's substance abuse or some way that you just avoid working through all this um, by comforting yourself um, to an unhealthy degree, becoming addictive. Um, you, you can't self-medicate, merely self-medicate. You can't get drunk. That's not really going to heal your spirit anyway. Um, rather than getting drunk, or self-medicating, Paul says, keep your spirit filled. He's saying, don't self-medicate, be medicated with God's spirit. And that's not passive. We translate it as be filled, but it's not really that mystical. Paul has already said in Ephesians that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ, that God has already seated us in the heavenly realms. And because if you know Christ, he's already done that for you, and you have this secure position up here, whether you feel it or not, you now have this ability to fill yourself with God's spirit, fill your spirit with God's spirit. And we have to do that. We are called to do that. We must step up and do that. And Paul immediately gives four means by which we can keep our spirit filled. Uh, number one, he says, and I have the passage again right here, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The idea here is addressing one another biblically. You have to be aware of your narrative both the narrative you tell yourself and then even more importantly, how that comes out to other people. It needs to be biblical. It needs to be God honoring and people honoring. We need to be loving God and loving people, both in the story we tell ourselves in our mind and the story we tell to other people. As we get stressed, it's easy to fall into uh, negative dialogues, um, negative conversations, um, negative narratives, both internally and externally with others. And Paul is saying, catch yourself and make sure that your narrative is biblical, faithful, hopeful, loving, uh, and that you really intentionalize doing that with, uh, with one another, with other people. Um, then he transitions into his next way, not only addressing one another biblically, but using music constructively. Um, you know, singing to one another, making music in our hearts, melody in our hearts with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Music is so powerful 
and we need to use that music constructively. As part of your worship today, I have um, also sent a link for a song that I would like you to uh, be reflecting on uh, before or after or during the message to come back to it. Um, that's a beautiful piece um, in Christ alone and the way it's done is very relevant for our situation today. Uh, that can keep our spirit filled. And though this passage focuses on music, and music is incredibly important in the scriptures, I think we are not stretching the text too much to um, consider how we use the arts in general to keep our spirit filled, to use them constructively. So we address one another biblically, we use music and the arts constructively, and we have to give thanks. He says, giving thanks always and for everything. That uh, is a passage that's really, really hard right now to focus on giving thanks. But we can, and there are things to be grateful for. Uh, we are facing a global pandemic, but it's also hitting us at a time when I'm able to connect with you digitally, um, like right now, and we're able to maintain greater connection with one another through that. We can be thankful for technology and for the ability to do this. Um, there are many things we can be thankful for. Though this pandemic is terrible, uh, the virus itself is not as apparently as uh, high of in a fatality rate as many other sicknesses have been throughout human history. And we can be thankful for that. Uh, we can be thankful that God has trusted us with this time. If you're alive in this time and you know Christ, then God has shown you that he trusts you to manage this well. So we can be thankful that he has counted us faithful as trustworthy, and we wanna validate that trust. Um, so that's being thankful. We address one another biblically, we use music constructively, and we choose to be thankful for everything, even this evil day. And the fourth means by which we keep our spirit filled is to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That one is huge. That is the one that really changes the tenor of the whole book, building to standing against principalities and powers, arranging ourselves under one another because we reverence God. That doesn't feel like we're filling our spirit when we do that. That can feel uh, very emptying um, and not always in a good way uh, when we really try to submit to one another, uh, arrange ourselves under one another. Um, speaking biblically, you know, and communicating biblically to each other, uh, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that often feels good. When we use music constructively, that often feels good. When we intentionalize thanksgiving, that often feels good. But um, submitting to one another often doesn't feel good. And there's a reason for that. That's when we do that, we are punching our own uh, lesser angels, our own sinful natures, uh, right in the mouth. Our sinful nature will never submit to anything. It is the devil within. The devil is the one who really launched all of this cacophony 
this, you know, disease of the spirit, all the evil, the painful kind of evil. He is that evil one, that source of that pain and suffering. And it all started because he did not submit. He did not keep his place and that God had given him. And therefore, when we intentionalize arranging ourselves under one another, we're punching the devil right in the mouth. Then he punches back. And it, that's where the fight really gets escalated. Uh, so this one becomes the hinge really for the rest of the book. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is not grabbing all of the toilet paper. It's not hoarding. It's looking out to those who are most vulnerable and most at risk and arranging yourself under them. Even if it costs you, um, that's what Jesus did for us. He is the master of spiritual submission. He who is God in the flesh, he who was the eternal word of the Father, emptied himself and submitted to our needs because we were weak, we were vulnerable. And that's why he did it, because he loves us and he arranged himself under that structure. And we need to do the same and really just trust God that that is healing our spirit, that that's filling our spirit, no matter how it might feel at that moment. It didn't always feel good to Jesus. He had his Gethsemane moment. He had the cross. That's uh, we're not going to face anything at that level. Um, but we will face our own Gethsemane moments. And this is one of them, this whole COVID-19 pandemic. And we need to make sure that we submit to one another. So I close today with an ancient proverb. It's actually a Hindu proverb. And it says this, and I think it's especially relevant in this COVID-19 pandemic. Children, old ones, the poor, and the sick should, should be considered lords of the atmosphere. Children, old ones, the poor, and the sick should be considered lords of the atmosphere. It may not make mathematical, logical sense to a lot of people, um, but those people that might seem most dispensable to society in this COVID-19 pandemic, it's not really hitting children, but it is hitting the old, the sick, the poor, um, very, very harshly. And, um, they might be in some type of brutal uh, fallen arithmetic of the soul, um, the most uh, dispensable, the most disposable. Um, but the Christian ethic really flips that on its head like this Hindu proverb does. It says, let's make them the most important. Um, let's intentionalize arranging ourselves under them. And if we trust God with that, on a deeper level, beneath the angst, beneath the worry, we will, I think, sense, I know that I sense that my own spirit is being filled so I can stand in the evil day. I trust that you will do the same. And I look forward to coming through this with you and seeing how we stood together. Blessings in Christ. Have a great day.